Welcome everyone to Flyover Footy. It is a gorgeous day and it is the first day of training and we are going to dig deep into that. But before we do that, let's talk to Santiago. Um, I'm going to give you the warning this time because I got some complaints. Those are frogs, correctly, correct? In the background there in Puerto Rico? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'll make sure to uh, mute myself. Uh, yeah, it's the cookie. It's, um, it's it's typical here in Puerto Rico at night. Uh, it is a frog, and yeah, you hear it at night. It's like cookie, cookie, cookie. <laughs> well, yeah, we've covered that before, but I mean, we get questions. Everyone thinks it's feedback, which I can understand. It does in some ways sound like that, but no, it's just... I do enjoy favorite. talking about it every single time it happens, because it's... <laughs> It's the reminder that Santi's on location. Yeah, I like that too. A reminder. Normally, so yeah, that's the funny thing is that normally Santiago has way better weather than we do when he's in Puerto Rico. But I think we got a pretty beautiful day today. What do you think, Matt? Do you think uh, think maybe we can keep up with Puerto Rico today? I think today wins. I think today goes to St. Louis. And and, and everybody kind of commented on it too. It's like this the the clouds parted, everything just, the stars aligned for the first day of training camp. It was just meant to be. Felt like it. Just a beautiful day today. And um, we did. I did get uh, was lucky enough to be able to go to the training ground and, and watch it. And uh, if you guys don't mind, we'll, we'll dig right into it. Is that cool? Cool. I think we have to. Yeah, um, I guess, you know, Matt, maybe you can lead us off because it, even before I got to, like, start talking to anyone, we were watching some guys warm up in, in the weight room when we first got there. Uh, the numbers were announced. So um, let's start with that because and I know we'll talk about roster implications later, but we all made some guesses and that was kind of a nice way to start uh, the training. At least it felt like to me. It was fun. I I love how much how busy our old friend and new social media manager uh, Jake is over there and he had himself a day. And so there were teases. There was this kind of appetizer to the whole training camp. But I think we were pretty much well for other than a few folks. I think we were pretty spot on with a lot of our guesses. Uh, we figured, I think the easiest way to guess on a number is you pick the position a guy's likely to play. And, you know, you, Klaus is going to get your nine. Berkey's going to get your one. You can kind of look at your fullbacks where we expect Pedro and Nerwinski you look at your back line, maybe four and five. And then as you get into Blom, you're six, Leuven, you're eight, Ostrock, you're 10. You look out to the wings where Indy Vasilev may be out there, uh, Rasmus All may be out there, your, your expected starting lineup, you know, your way too early starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And so you, you throw numbers at there. It, it sort of broke out that way. So Berkey did end up getting the number one. Um, Nerwinski with the number two. He's a right back, so you would kind of think uh, sequentially he would be a three, but he's a, the number two. Joachim Nilsson at four, right alongside with that center back. Blom's your six. Uh, Klaus is your nine. But then you get to guys who you would expect to be starters and have those lower numbers. It gets a little interesting based on what we thought the depth chart might break out to. Edward Leuven is the number 10 <laughs> for his jersey number. We always pick, figured he'd be our eight, our box-to-box, the workhorse, but no, he gets the number 10 and that Tomas Ostrak, number seven. So he's, he's a winger. He played the wing with first city two. He's got some experience in the, the wing on the, the, the side midfield area, not too out of the ordinary there. The surprise to me though, is uh, Jared Stroud. So Jared Stroud was a, a, a rumored a long time ago to be uh, signed for city. He was just waiting for the MLS season to end. So he was clearly a guy they had on the radar for a long time. But he never really broke into the starting lineup regularly with Austin. Uh, we thought he would be more of a depth piece that could play a few different positions, midfield being one of them, but also kind of that left wing area. 
and he's going to wear the number eight. That to me was the biggest surprise. Selmer Pedro is a, a lower number. Rasmus Alms or a higher number. Rasmus Alms a higher number. Um, Isaac Jensen's a higher number. Tim Parker stuck with his 26 that he wore in New York and Vancouver. So you're seeing some of these guys who like clearly they have a preference for number. They don't care to wear the number of their position. So, but to me, Jared Stroud was the one that stood out. What about you guys? Santiago? For me, it was definitely uh, Leuven with the number 10. Um, as Matt said, we had him as that box-to-box midfielder, uh, which usually is that number eight. But um, I was trying to remember, there was an article a few weeks ago, and uh, on the article, he was like uh, expected to be like the team's playmaker, with, which will go with that number 10. But yeah. that's not what we are all expecting. So that was a surprise to me. The other surprise was uh, in terms of what has been announced, so far was that um, O'Malley had a number, but he's not officially on the most recent roster. And uh, Max Snyder didn't have a number. Mm-hmm. There were some omissions there that, that were interesting. Now, on Leuven, though, you mentioned that he was called a playmaker. I can remember a time, maybe back when he was first signed, that Bradley Carnell referred to him as a six. So he's he has been I mean, that was a very direct quote. And he was he was referred to as number six at one point. To me, though, this speaks to the flexibility in their positioning and how some guys are going to play different roles depending on the need. Obviously, Blome uh, fits the bill better as a six. And so I wouldn't expect Leuven to, to fill that role. But I think they're and with City, Two, if you guys remember, City, Two didn't have a traditional number 10 that they played the ball through a lot. It was a lot, a lot more playing the ball through the wings with crosses, uh, letting letting our wingers and our fullbacks drive the the upward motion of the play. Um, I think this provides an interesting uh, notion that Leuven might might be much more of a playmaker involved in the offense a lot more than we thought he would, as opposed to being that straight box to box. Yeah, and and they did. Um, I think Timmerman even asked, which props to him. Tim Timmerman is uh, like picking up on on the soccer stuff. He asked. He said, "You're a number ten. That has implications. What does that mean to you?" And uh, Levin said, "You know, I'm not trying to put pressure on myself. You know, that can be something that can get inside your head. You know, we'll have the clip posted. I'm sure in a week mm-hmm. or less, um, so you can get the exact quotes. But anyway, he played it down quite a bit in in the uh, presser afterwards. So." I thought that was interesting, but it does feel like, um, you know, he's he's the DP in the midfield. Um, you know, it sounds like he's willing to be a leader in that way and and sees himself as um, at least someone that's going to be responsible for some level of playmaking and is willing to just take on that that 10, the weight of wearing those numbers. Right. Because oh, yeah. um, that definitely is a thing in all of world soccer, of course. So. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And, and the other one I, I noticed is, you know, I was wondering, you know, what John Klein's role might be in, in, the, in the system. And he was another one that didn't have a number, like you guys were saying. So that one stood out to me. But I want to make sure you guys heard about the, the Leuven quote there. Well, on, on the Leuven quote, that's that brings up an interesting question of who do you think had first dibs on some of these numbers? You think it went by... Salary, salary? <laughs> because I mean, you look at the guys who like Klaus, obviously the nine Berkey, obviously the one Nielsen is on a, a Tam deal. So he got his traditional number four. <laughs> and then that quote kind of made it seem like, obviously, if you're going to pick the number 10 or you're going to 
be given the number 10, it does have implications. You know, I, I think of a lot of other players who they didn't have a 10 when they first came on the team. They played that role. And then whenever the player who had number 10, maybe they had a deal to swap it or they left and it was immediately bestowed upon somebody. And so that to me is I would expect Leuven to have either requested this or they went to him and said, we want you to play this role. Are you comfortable with wearing this number? One or the other, regardless, th those implications are real. And so he, to me, had to have been one of the first players to get his number. Those are all options. I, I'll always remember, unlike the Zlatan biography or, or documentary, they handed him the nine, you know, and maybe he requested, I don't know, but that's, it is possible. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I think we should end this conversation, this portion of this conversation by saying you can't read too much in numbers, right? It's like saying too much about preseason. Uh, two examples are that like uh, Philadelphia Union's uh, number 10 this year was a six, a number six on his jersey. Yeah. And Jordan Morris wears the eight and he's a winger striker, uh, a speedy one at that, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. So yeah, we can't read too much into this, but it's fun to No, but <laughs> I, I do I do think those particular numbers, the nine, the one for a keeper, obviously, but the nine and the ten have some serious meaning, not just in True. in where you play, but I think of Philadelphia. So Daniel Gazdog just had the number 10 given to him when he signed his DP contract because that's that's his role on the team. So he didn't have it. And now this year they made a big deal, big hoopla about him getting that. And he's one of the top players in MLS. So that, that was one of the first things that came to mind when I saw that Leuven had the 10. It's not necessarily he's going to be a goal scorer, or, but I can see that playmaker. He's the guy who's going to be taking a lot of our set pieces, uh, which we'll carry over, expected to carry over from City 2 and mm -hmm. what we saw with the Bayer game. Anything else on numbers there, Santiago? No, I think it's too early to to make any conclusions. Um, it's the first day of preseason, but yeah, I think Matt is right. Uh, maybe he was approached, or maybe he requested based on his role. Um, but it's exciting that we had the first day of training and Phil got to see uh, some of the guys out there. One guy real quick that I want to hear Phil talk about didn't have his number listed, but was at mm -hmm. camp and had a number. If you don't want to talk about him now, we can get to yeah. him a little bit. But that's exactly where I was going. Yeah. Let's go. um, Indiana Vasilev. So that was the other funny thing about media is um, we, we weren't sure if he was going to be there, even asking like er, before practice, no one was willing to really say anything. And we spent the entire, at least what I do, like when I first go to preseason, I'm like, okay, uh, who, who is who get the faces. It's, I just spent the whole day, like talking to everyone I could like, Hey, who do you think that is? Who do you think that is? And I think I have a pretty good grasp on it, but I totally missed the entire time until the end. Someone was like, Oh, did you see Vasilev? I was like, what? are you sure? And I argued with him. And then someone randomly asked Carnell about Vasilev. He was like, Oh, he was here today. He was in the yellow penny. He was one of the neutral players, which we can talk about in a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, he's with us, everything, you know, basically like he's going to be announced anytime kind of thing. You'll, again, you'll hear the, the full quote in, in our videos coming up. So, um, that was a massive surprise. I didn't catch him, but he is number 19. If you, if you didn't know, yep. um, and he's in, he's in training, he's going to be official, uh, even though it's not official, official yet. And that that follows up with uh, another earlier. It, was it earlier today? Last night, Manuel Veth reported um, yes. after we started talking about him and noticed, I think, the name on the print from one of the city teases this morning on the video that they, they were printing Vasilev's name. And Manuel uh, confirmed that 
the deal was close for a permanent deal, not just uh, an extension for his loan that Inter Miami had. Is that how he found out? <laughs> Are we ratting? <laughs> I'm just saying that the timing worked out where I tweeted yeah. that out. I tweeted that picture out. And he commented <laughs> on it saying uh, it's soon. And then five minutes later, he had his own post where sources confirmed the deal was near. I love it. Mm. I love it. Um, good stuff. Manuel Vaith, you better be following him. Everyone who listens to this does, I'm sure. He's but. a must follow for saying <laughs> So, Phil, you said uh, Basilev is number 19? Yes. Okay, yeah, that, that's one of the numbers that was missing from, mm-hmm. from what was released today. So that makes sense. Yeah, so he was there. Pretty much everyone was there. I, I pulled up the, the tweet. The, this was good stuff. Um, it was nice to get this information. They were very upfront with it. The Vasilev was there. That was extremely surprising that they just casually announced that um, in the presser. Uh, but guys that are injured for now, John Bell, Max Schneider, John Klein, and Owen O'Malley, um, a lot of them sound like knocks or like injuries that are mostly recovered from. John Bell had a hernia surgery and he, they, he, he wasn't, you know, he didn't list each person and how long they were going to be, but he was saying basically generally like one to two weeks, typically could be more, could be less. And so he almost even said with John Bell that he expects him to kind of join them once they go to Florida, that he might start training fully there. And there was a quote from Carnell, uh, in one of the articles or one of the tweets from that, that was saying that, uh, Ono Malley appears to have picked up a hamstring injury during the college cup semifinal. Yes. And it, nothing's torn, nothing's ripped, nothing's broken. That was the quote. So they're just waiting for it to, you know, return to play 100%. Yeah, we know what Schneider had, um, and he is still out of country. I'm, I, I'm not, I haven't confirmed yeah. that, but I've kind of heard that from a lot of people, some people even inside and you know, the org- organization. Sorry. We, we knew Schneider was hurt last year, but the, the Tom Timmerman article makes it seem, I mean, he says Schneider played most of last season with a foot injury, wore a boot when he wasn't on the field. So it, it makes me think the extent to the injury most of last year was a lot more than we were led on to believe because we knew he had one towards the end of the year. And I don't know this term, and maybe maybe you guys do or maybe someone else does, but the term used with Schneider was return to play, another return to play. So mm-hmm. it did sound almost like getting up to fitness more so than recovering from a, a massive injury kind of thing, but I, I'm not sure what that term exactly means. So y'all can look that up <laughs> as far as i know it means improving stamina uh, one of the key things so yeah. you know it, it, it won't do any structural damage to play on it but he's not it's not match fit mm-hmm. he, he won't last uh 90 or however long he needs to play yeah and john klein um also uh, like a similar a college injury that he just had to come yeah. back from so all those guys are, are people you can look forward to. But, um, you know, it was really confusing. And just to give you my kind of experience today as quickly as I can, um, you know, the best thing was just, again, sorry, but the gorgeous day, beautiful views. The weather was wonderful. No, and hardly anyone wearing jackets and stuff like that. The new training jerseys, which, Matt, you mentioned, I thought are really pretty. I like those. Um, and so they started out just like stretching and, and they spent a lot like – the biggest thing was when I first got there, the weight room was just packed full of people. Like I've never seen so many people in there. And I was talking to Jake before and he was saying how like, you know, the last two days, not everyone was there all at once, that kind of thing. And today it was the first day everyone just like the entire team was in there and it was just like 
just busy, like looked like an anthill in there, guys just like moving around doing stuff, getting ready to go. So that was really cool to see it packed out in there. Um, then they came out and warmed up, did some uh, drills in little groups. And so we were trying to figure out who was who and stuff like that. Azil Jackson kind of shined in a lot of those little uh, Rondo kind of things, like showing some of the, uh, you know, he's just willing to do stuff, you know. And so that was really fun to see today on the first day. He was standing out at the beginning. Um, and then, like, it's it's funny. I've talked to a lot of different people, but everyone kind of picked out someone that they thought looked really, really good. And so um, I'm not even going to say, like, who I thought looked really good during uh, the thing, but, like, many players were looking good. I think the biggest thing that stood out is that I knew Edward Leuven was – uh, a big man, a strong man. I mean, he's huge. He's wide. He and he like, is. guys were bouncing off him today. Like, I think, <laughs> you know, they haven't faced him yet. And so I think they thought they could go at him and take the ball from him, which lots of physicality today. Also, surprising amount of physicality was really fun to see in training. And Carnell mentioned that he noticed that as well in a good way. So guys are going at it on the first day, but like, and Leuven didn't move at all it happened at least three to four times where guys tried to f get physical with him and it just didn't happen um so that was fun to watch that's one of my favorite things about soccer in general is the, that kind of stuff so um i think that sums up for the most part what i experienced today no, really awesome day really really fun um so i guess we should move on i don't have a good uh move for that oh so we talked about india and vasilev but i think we should move on to no. Let's move on because we haven't talked about Jabulo Bloom, and we haven't talked about who ben wasn't Lutz. there. Who, who right. wasn't there? To to be clear, so yeah, Bloom. I know we we talked about the guys who were out from injury. Um, Bloom still working on his work visa, so he has his number ready for him when he gets here. But he there they didn't put a timetable that I read for when he'll arrive, and we know that the other two that were out from training camp were Klaus and Berkey, mm -hmm. who the other thing that happened this week uh, was the Apple TV thing that led into the MLS media day to kick off preseason that they had, I believe, in California. And so Klaus and Berkey were the city representatives who went out there. There's a tweet that City's account put out uh, with those two hanging out with Coach Beard out there, which I thought was kind of <laughs> clever, kind of cool. Yeah. And there's a barbecue joke in there somewhere. <laughs> I just wanted to say that like Klaus represented us so well in that presser. It was cool to see national media guys just there for the MLS quotes, um, saying some of the things that Klaus said about, you know, the soccer city. And he nailed it. He's, he nailed, he said all the things that a lot of St. Louisans would have been the first things they would have said in that kind of situation. I kind of want to go through and try to see if I can find all the different quotes that uh, they they wrote that he gave because there were there was one quote from Pablo Maurer, um, writer from the Athletic that that was my he, favorite. Yeah, he cut right to the city of St. Louis soccer history. Um, I've seen quote I've seen a lot of passion throughout the fan base in St. Louis. He called the city one of the quote first cities to bring soccer into the U.S. And, and on his Twitter account, Pablo did note that he's not wrong. It happened mm -hmm. in his Twitter account. He said it happened in the 1880s or so, which, mm -hmm. yes, back uh, predates Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> is a, a common fact that I love to keep in the back of my mind is mm -hmm. it predates 1886. Suck and, it, Cronky. 
<laughs> it's, it's awesome to know that soccer in St. Louis goes back that far. And these guys are like, they're, they're ambassadors for St. Louis now. So mm-hmm. Klaus knows that fact. He's able to speak to it. He's educating the national media. He's putting St. Louis best foot forward. And that this is how we're being introduced to the league, introduced to the, the national soccer media. And I think it's, it's perfect. Yeah, I think we're chomping at the bit to get to like talking about the entire roster. So I do want to talk about Jubilo Blom because we haven't talked about him being signed. Uh, Santiago, you want to lead us off with what you thought, uh, what you saw with with Blom, and, and maybe what you're hoping for with uh, St. Louis. Yeah, so obviously um, that's one of those that uh, it was a surprise when it was announced. There weren't like any leaks or any um any previous information about the possibility of him signing with um cdsc but yeah that was announced um i believe it was december 23rd or right before christmas it was like the christmas gift for the yeah. fans mm-hmm. and uh is that center um midfielder that everybody was waiting for um had a lot of success in south africa with uh, kaiser chiefs and um as you guys know uh, a lot of the kaiser chiefs fans co- were commenting on it and and it started to follow uh, cdsc and had great things to say about him and about um how a good addition he was for the team and um the one thing that stuck out to me were a couple of nicknames um, that he he has, um, mm-hmm. the cleaner and the stopper. So I think that says everything about what he is about and what he will bring to that center midfielder position. Yeah, Lutz spoke exactly to that. His quotes when they when they announced the signing were, we're excited to bring a young South African national team player like Blome to our squad in St. Louis. His ball-winning, super-aggressive, warrior qualities as a central defensive midfielder match what we're looking for in our philosophy. Blome's addition to our team is exactly the missing puzzle piece we needed. And the and tape it, backs it up, right? <laughs> oh, it, it 100% does. We looked at some YouTube videos as soon as it happened, and our our group chat was just going crazy on mm-hmm. his vision, his speed, his awareness, just his his ability to take the ball and to make those really, I don't know how he has the vision to make some of these passes that he did, but those through balls that he just managed to, to find were incredibly impressive. So as our six... And knowing that we expect Leuven to push up a little more, I think he'll be afforded that exact opportunity with City. So it seemed like a great system fit as well. In fact, yeah, and it was only six on six and there wasn't much to pull from it today. But in the scrimmaging part of the of the thing, um, Leuven was getting forward a lot, like really high. So, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting with the 10 and you mentioning that perhaps with with protection from Blome, uh, w- which looks like it's going to be extremely good protection, Leuven will be able to get forward. It reminds me of um, Eric Williamson says that about his, uh, I forgot his name, but his amazing partner at uh, Portland, like where he's not ever afraid to go forward because he's got such protection, Chara, uh, from Chara, his his uh, pivot partner, which is so true. And we could see that with Leuven and, and Blome as well. He fits the he fits the the build too of um, just the type of player that we've been bringing into city. He's young. He has the uh, the opportunity to develop here and then be sold off. Not unlike we've talked about Ostrock yeah. has. So and I've I've researched some quotes of his in the past that he he mentions ambition to go play in Europe. And he's only twenty three years old. He's signed for the next two years with two club options after that. 
So he, it, I mean, his career could go a myriad of directions. To me, he's a really strong candidate. Like a lot of the South African fans who've clamored to the social media for City have said to eventually find himself into Europe. And so they're learning about MLS and they're still, they still have that same eyes. Like he, he has the talent to go to Europe. So as we're watching him develop, I think that's always going to be in the back of our minds that as good, as good as he continues to look, hopefully, you know, that's always going to be a possibility. He's a contender for that type of a, uh, a venture in his career. And the two things I wanted to say about him is that like, he's not above uh, the MLS level yet. I mean, nope. he looks nope. incredible in defense, but getting forward, um, he's just like, it's, you can't not compare him to Tyler Adams in every way where you know Tyler Adams' strengths and they are supreme. His strengths are incredible, but you don't necessarily want him to have the ball at the top of the box when Mm-mm. when you're when you've got a bunkered uh, defense at least. On the run, he and Blomer both can be, can have, make some nice passes, but anyway, uh, there are some weaknesses in his game, but it won't stop him from improving. MLS is not too easy for him, I don't think. And so also, you know, the cool thing from uh, I think it was Timmerman's article comparing, you know, Kaiser, which they say Kaiser Chiefs, which is new to me. I'm going to say Kaiser Chiefs. okay. I don't know. If if there's one thing I've learned on the pronunciation is that there's always wiggle room. Yeah, right. I want to see I want to hear both of you attempt to pronounce his first name because I had to rehearse it in the mirror for, I swear to God, 10 minutes. (laughs) I've read I've read Kaiser. I've read Kaiser. Mm-hmm. I've read Kaiser yeah. like it, and, and YouTube is no help because every single one of the South African YouTubers say it different. His I agree. First name, the team name. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Everyone says, yeah, both of those things different, but anyway, Kaiser chiefs. Um, I didn't realize that they are like the Ajax or, you know, the PSG of South Africa. So he's on a team that's loaded and much better than the rest of the league. So that's not going to be the case this next year with uh, with parity being the way it is in MLS. So um, it'll be yeah. cool. It'll be so cool to see him grow. And uh, I mean, he's going to be my favorite player to watch this season. I know it already. <laughs> he, see, so seeing his play, knowing what role he's going to play in City, he's five foot eight, one hundred and fifty pounds. Mm-hmm. You just talked about Eddie Leuven at six two, two hundred plus pounds. <laughs> That's our midfield. And we've got a 6'2", 200-pound guy next to a 5'8", 150-pound guy. And which and one's the destroyer? <laughs> that's the funny part. <laughs> right, yeah. I've, yes. That, that is, so the skill is there. The talent is there. Yeah. The ability, the, the experience in that position. Because he, he used to play right back, and then he was shifted to midfield, and that's where he really excelled. He really shined. That seems to be his home. So uh, it, it's an interesting dichotomy we're going to have in our midfield. Absolutely. What a great find from, uh, you know, Carnell, I'm sure is the one that brought it to his attention, but had to be good job and, signing it. And it, you read into the history of, of Blome and the, he was linked to, uh, I think it was a team in Belgium who was willing to pay over a million dollars for him last year. And Kaiser chiefs turned it down because they were still trying to sign him to a long-term deal. He had grown up in their Academy mm-hmm. for like eight years. Mm-hmm. He, he was, they wanted him to be the face of the franchise and the fans did too. So they couldn't come to a deal. You know, his contract was similar to Vasilev with Aston Villa. His contract was coming up this June. And so it became a deal where if he's not going to get sold now, then Kaiser Chiefs are going to have to let him go on a free. And the report from, again, our friend Manuel Veth is that the transfer fee was around $315,000 for Blome. So he reported 300,000 euros uh, exchange right. rate. And... And he also mentioned that Blome will be a TAM level player for City. 
So his salary, you can expect to be at minimum $350,000 for this year. Hmm. So not, not, and for the talent, the, what we expect him to be and that, that role on our team and vitally important, that's pretty in line with what we were hoping to find. And, and a lot of the players that we were um, speculating on or thinking about coming from an other MLS teams as free agents would have been in line with that price. So all around, just happy with this signing. Absolutely. Uh, another signing that's happened since then is Ben Lunt was announced the other day. Um, played at Phoenix Rising. Um, he has history with Hackworth, if I'm not mistaken, at, at Louisville. Yeah. I don't know his entire history, but you know, mainly I'm just really excited. You don't want to. You don't want to know his entire history. <laughs> well, I know FC Cincinnati too. I, no, I didn't not say not that. Hey, oh. he he broke our heart when he was with oh, Louisville. Yeah. He uh, he stopped that PK in the playoffs. Uh, yes. in 2020 uh, but yeah. no great goalkeeper i think he he will be a great addition to the team and uh he will be a good backup in case uh, anything happens with uh berkey or when when there is congestion with the schedule when we have that saturday wednesday saturday or even uh, around um, the league's cup so so yeah he will probably play a couple of matches but but yeah he's he's a great goalkeeper He's the exact kind of uh, profile that you wanted City to sign. I mean, he, mm-hmm. like, we love we love USL signings on this show, and I think everybody should love USL signings because when when you bring up a USL player, that they it's because they deserve it and they need pathways to higher levels. And for w- what pyramid we have in the US, when a team is willing to give them that opportunity because they deserve it, I think I'm all for it. And it didn't work out with FC Cincinnati a few years ago, and. Now it should work out with City, hopefully, because he's going to be needed in a few games. He may see some time with City, too. You never know. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad that we're digging into USL for that type of a player as well. And, you know, I, I feel like I've done this before in the past few months, and I don't like how this is becoming a trend, but props to FC Cincinnati. They got him his green card when he was with them. <laughs> exactly. So he does not take up an international <laughs> slot for us. Yeah. And it's funny because I was about to be like, there are so many good goalkeepers that are Americans, you know, <laughs> which is only half true. I don't even, not even half true. I know. Yeah. Like, to be honest, um, so I don't know if you guys heard it, but like I had John Morrissey to talk on um, mm-hmm. from USL Tactics. And we talked about that, of course. And yeah. um, the show or maybe some tweets I saw right before we did the show was how amazing Sparrow was probably the best goalkeeper in USL or he said, or something like that top two. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, God, Sparrow would have been amazing. would have been really cool. But you know, he's, I think he was signed for a multi-year deal down with Miami. Well, um, and don't forget the Hertha Berlin connection as well. So similar to a lot of the other players that Lutz has scouted, I'm sure he's had his oh. eye on, on Lunt since long before he played for, um, Louisville or, or Phoenix. Yeah, definitely. German American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, only the third on the roster. Everyone. I like how everyone assumes Klaus is, is German. That was fun to hear Lutz say that. Yeah. I love, I love when they remind people that we do have a South American on the roster. That's you're right. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Kind of yeah. a big deal. Um, great. Okay. So now we can talk about the roster, right? I'm going to search Matt's history and bring up his spreadsheet. So Matt, I think you should definitely lead us off with just like, yeah, oh, whatever. Well, you say. let's, let's lead it off with a couple quotes from Lutz, uh, because the, so Tom Timmerman had a couple articles in the past couple of days. One of them was kind of a prelude to training camp. And I found it really interesting. The quotes that Lutz gave, 
because the questions were asked, and obviously the speculation isn't just coming from us and from the the St. Louis podcast, but it's it's coming from everybody wanting to know who are the players that we should really be looking out for. We saw some of them come in from City 2, and those are obviously the ones you gravitate towards, but there's going to be some positional fighting going on and some some uh, up and down going on the depth chart. And so I found Lutz's quote regarding the the thought of a starting 11 taking shape very interesting. He said, even if you look up front, Klaus is a designated player. He had a great scoring percentage in Europe, but the guys who are behind him, I don't think Nico Giochini comes over here from Orlando to look at the arch and say, well, that's a great thing. I think he wants to play. I see Alm will normally play a lot of games. But the other guys also want to play. Jared Stroud doesn't come from Austin because St. Louis is a beautiful city. Or Jensen didn't come over from Europe to sit on the bench. That's the way it should be. Obviously, there's a little bit of steps in the squad. That's normal. Celio played his whole life at college and has maybe not as, had it as easy as Alm, who played the last nine years in the Swedish top division. I always say everybody who boils, boils water, right? Whose water gets a bit hotter? Everybody has an opportunity. And he says, I do see a tendency of who could be the first 11, but I think preseason, I like the underdogs, I like surprises. And so he goes into how it's kind of Carnell's show and he's going to give everybody an opportunity. So those names in particular, I think, shake out in a similar way to what we've talked about, where Klaus is going to be our, our DP striker. He's going to be our number nine. You you expected last year Rasmus Alm would play the right wing position, the right midfield, because that's where he's comfortable. That's where he has his history. And that quote kind of speaks to it. Klaus and Alm out there. Where it also speaks to Joachini, it speaks to Stroud, Celio, and Jensen, who Jensen is an interesting case. But with all those players, we kind of have more or less second on our way too early depth chart. And so you see it kind of breaking out numbers aside I, I see the depth chart breaking out where you have Klaus up top, you have our attacking midfield of Indiana Vasilev, Tomas Ostrak, and Rasmus Alm. You have a uh, central defensive midfield duo of Edward Leuven and um, Jabulu Blom. See what I did there? I tried that. Uh, and then our back line, Pedro, Nilsson, Parker, and Nerwinski with Berkey and Nett. And so that, that to me seems like the obvious way to start with uh, the starting lineup. The depth guys that are really interesting to me that some were spoken to by Lutz, but you know some could just really fight easily for positions are Stroud, Jensen, Azeel Jackson. Um, I would see uh, John Nelson, John Bell, Yarrow even fighting for some of those spots. And they play a myriad of positions. So when you're trying to put together a depth chart and look at who's competing against who, things get really, really nebulous here. Where you're looking at a guy like uh, Celio Pompeu or Isaac Jensen, they can play multiple positions up top. Even Tomas Ostrak, who I would expect, we would have expected to be that ten-ish player, the central attacking midfielder. He played on the wings for City too. He's got experience there. So you could be looking at a case where. I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe Vasilev, uh, maybe Vasilev is is injured or needs a day off, and Ostrak goes over there because Azil Jackson has really been shining, and so Jackson needs to be in the starting lineup more than Jensen. So Ostrak would shift left. Jackson would then start in the middle. Or you could look at a scenario where Ostrak shifts out right, and uh, and and Alm needs a break. You know, we've got that flexibility where it's not just next guy up on the perceived depth chart. It's not going to be necessarily Celio. It's not necessarily going to be Jensen or Stroud who steps in. If another guy who is below another side 
is really shiny and deserves a spot. You can shift guys around all over the place. Yeah. And, and then the, to me, that other brings in Jared Stroud, who with the number eight may end up seeing time in the midfield as well. Yeah. And, and um, just to add one more option, I mean, there's so many options that one, I mean, I'd be shocked if we didn't try three in the back at some point. And, you know, at that point, do we play without a 10 or do we play with two tens? You know, like there's so mm-hmm. many, so many, so many options. But I just wanted to throw that one out there while you were listing uh, possibilities. But, yeah, I, I, let's talk more about that, Santiago. Um, we were all surprised to see Stroud with the number eight. And um, Indiana Vasilev was wearing that yellow jersey because they were playing six on six with two neutral players. And one was um, Leuven and the other was Vasilev. And so you typically assume those are kind of the hinge players that can be in the midfield and can play both ways. And there's different rules for different uh, training exercises. I don't know why I'm going into that, but um, basically it's possible that maybe Vasilev is even in that list. And even I don't have the proof to back this up, but I thought I remembered Stroud and Vasilev both at some point in their lives being central midfielders. Santiago, what do you think about anything we've talked about so far? Or if you want to bring up a, a new option with this roster? Well, um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys, obviously now uh, we have um, decent depth on all positions, but if you look at comments um, and obviously MLS uh, with that article they had this week that only had a few words for um, St. Louis City SC <laughs> and even uh, the interview that Alexi Lalas did with um, with the Post-Dispatch, uh, like um, to me it sounds like um, the league and the media are, the national media are not expecting much from St. Louis and uh, they think like maybe still there needs to be one more player maybe that third designator player um like a player that could make a difference in games instead of having all these players that can be hard workers and and give problems to different teams but um the consensus or or a lot of the comments i see out there is like there needs the difference maker is still not there and maybe we will see that difference maker come through during preseason but um so far there isn't like a big name which uh, a lot of people think is missing uh, personally i think we're okay and uh, the team will be able to compete be competitive uh, possibly make playoffs or be close but um wanted to get your opinion on those comments and what you have seen so far based on the makeup of the team go for it matt yeah, um, I want to rant on this a little bit, but you go first. <laughs> okay, I'll try to I'll try to keep it brief, uh, which I'm always terrible at. I think the league is really viewing us as the shiny new toy with the great history that just adds a, a checkbox to their league now. At this point, the two articles on MLS's website, one about what to be excited for, one about what to be concerned for, were the exact same five words, except for the what to be concerned about had the word "wow" in it. <laughs> and it was the uh, the league's first designated team, which all it does is it goes back to that quote from Lute saying, we don't see the massive need for uh, one or two uh, designated player type where you you throw all the cash in the world at them and you hope that they're able to to make the difference single-handedly. We, we have a designated team. And I've kind of, uh, you know, it, it, it always irks me whenever people kind of bash our team, always protect, protective of what I love. And 
I've kind of just taken the stance now of let's see these guys work together. You know, we saw them work together in the league they were in last year and they almost won the whole damn thing. We saw them work together in the academy when they, they were implementing a brand new system and they went, one of the teams went to the final four. You know, this, this, the organization has a, in its short history, um, experience in winning. So I'm not saying we should expect that, but I'm also saying that I'm not expecting the wooden spoon. And yeah. I, I'm expecting, I'm expecting these players, at least a handful of them, to make a name for themselves in MLS. Because all all this stuff does for me is is tell me that the writers, the 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 announcers, Lawless, they don't know the players, and because they don't know them, because they weren't on their radar previously, they're dismissing them. Mm-hmm. So we we've always said Lutz has this massive scouting network, and we're willing to see where he goes with it. And Lutz, we trust. And this is just the next step for that. And in, I'm not expecting the world to be lit on fire. I'm not expecting to compete for Supporter Shield. But I, I don't see why competing needs to be out of the question. And we just have to hope for new players and hope for a third DP. I'm seeing Ostrock. I'm seeing Alm. I'm seeing a fit Klaus, which I'll get to in a second. I'm seeing a Leuven, who is going to be that machine workhorse playmaker. I'm seeing a back line that is strong. Pedro is good. He's quick. He's, he's on the ball. His only weakness is being too aggressive. I'm seeing MLS experience in Parker and Nerwinski. And then a Swedish international in Joachim Nilsson. That, that's, a, that's a solid back line to build your foundation on. So that spine is there. And, and it, it has the potential. We'll, you'll see it when we start playing the, playing the games. It has the potential to be one of the most competitive in MLS. And on Klaus, just a quick note on Klaus, because I've had to make this point on on Twitter lately because he's been getting some weird like distrust or hate or or acting like he isn't deserving of because he doesn't have this this massive uh, history of goal scoring. He he does have a few seasons under his belt of double digit goals in top flights in Finland and in Austria. Last year when he came to America, he played in four games in one month's time span and just owned the league he was in. Yeah, it's MLS Next Pro, but he came in, he dominated. That's what you would expect him to do. He didn't struggle at all when he was 100% fit in the system, ready to go. The only time he struggled in the perception is when he was hurt. He had a soft tissue injury to end last year. St. Louis's introduction, by and large, to Klaus was the Leverkusen game. So that's where you see a lot of people saying, oh, I don't know. He, he's our, the guy we relied on to score. He's our DP. He was recovering from a soft tissue injury. He was not 100%. He left early. That was the prescribed plan. I think he is going to really surprise people. So all, all of that together, I think, I don't know. I, I just, I don't want to dismiss all of the national pundits, but it's clear that it's clear that they don't have the, the familiarity with our team enough to really predict what they're going to do in MLS because it is an entirely different league in MLS. It's physical which another reason I'm excited about Leuven. And a lot of these players, I think, have the ability to play that style and defend in it. But we're, we're going to see. We're ultimately going to see. I just think we're not, like a lot of other expansion teams, we're getting the short end of the straw. And some of our players, namely Blom, Ostrock, Leuven, and Klaus, are really going to show up on some highlight reels next year, this year. I think so too, to some degree. Um, but I'm, I'm not even like I'm not even gonna like say that 
our players are incredible or they are going to shock people because I, I don't know. I mean, it's really tough getting into a league in the first year. Um, I think w- the thing I'm most annoyed with is, and I respect it depending on who it's coming from, but the just writing that phrase, it just to me is such a cop out. And yeah, that article was meant to be short and quick and pretty much every team had, you know, every fan, from every team in the league was like, this is it. This is all we get. And so I think everyone felt that way, but still no one knows what to think about this team. And yes, Lutz was asking for it by saying this is a designated (laughs) team. I mean, fair (laughs) enough, right? Make fun of it. Okay. But if you don't know what this team's going to be, then be like, say it more respectfully, like David Goss, like uh, Matt Doyle, where they say, we just don't know. And that's true. Even we don't know. And we've been doing nothing but geek out about these guys constantly since they joined the team. So sure, I get that. But boy, as a fan, I'm ready. I'm ready to be that guy that gets on the internet and, and says all this stupid Twitter stuff for being like, you just don't know us. You're a big cop out. Um, so that's I'm saying it now live on this podcast instead of getting on Twitter. So um, yeah, I got really annoyed by it. But um it is fair to some extent that we just like, we don't know what's going to happen, but I do think that I'm not discounting anything you said in any way, Matt, because we do, we have a system. It works in the Academy. I thought was the best point you made there that um, people are really already starting to respect our Academy. And that's just like a year and a half, two years of, of training and, and working on a system and recruiting players from nothing. It's not like they can just go sign anyone in the world. They're stuck with St. Louis players for the most part. So anyway, um, all that to say that I have faith in us as well next year because I have faith in Lutz and I have faith in the staff. Um, I think it's going to be a fun year. And again, like you said, Matt, we're not going to get the wooden spoon. It's not going to be us next year. I'm pre- I have a, a decent amount of faith in that. Yeah, well, I, I- I think we will be competitive. The yeah. system is there. Um, we have a good amount of players um, that already know the system. We had the, the advantage of starting a year earlier with some of those players. Um, so I think um, we will be competitive and the system is there. I, and I also see it as a process. This is the first year. And uh, I'm going to borrow this from a, from a friend who, when we were talking about it, I was like, it's a process. And he was like, yeah, it's a process. And adding, adding to that, um, MLS doesn't have promotion and relegation. So there isn't <laughs> so much pressure on your first year. So mm-hmm. as long yeah. as the team continues with the process and maybe uh, mid-year, the team will realize, okay, we need a couple more pieces and we'll use some of that um, gam or tam that is left uh, or even that uh, third dps lot or some of the u22 initiative slots mm. uh, to uh, make the team better but the thing is the system is there and just have to uh, follow that process and see um, give these players a chance and see see what happens uh, look at it look at it mid-year and if needed add a couple of pieces but i think uh, that this team will be competitive and will be maybe it may it may not make the playoffs but it will be fighting for a spot in the playoffs uh, through uh, september october yeah and, and i'm i'm under no illusions of grandeur here it's you know being the expansion team is always difficult and it 
Phil, you said it right, that we just don't know how these guys are going to gel and, and handle the competition until we see it happen. And that's the tough thing about speculating about an expansion side, is that you can you can look at each player individually and how they competed in their previous league, with their previous team, under a previous coach, previous system. But you just really don't know how it's all going to come together until you actually see it. it. Which is one of the fun things, I think, about what we've been doing for the past year plus, is trying to speculate, trying to trying to think what are what are the ways this could go how are we going to choose our own adventure here what are the pros and cons we're about to see it happen because games are going to start here pretty soon so we're going to get to at least hear uh how things are going on the field but i do also think it's important to remember that a lot of these guys we have nearly like 10 nine or 10 players under contract for at least the next four years hmm so a lot of the guys we brought in, the international guys, they're under contract until 2026. We have a lot of options on players through 2026. You're looking at Berkey. You're looking at Nilsson. You're looking at Leuven. You're looking at Klaus, uh, Isak Jensen, Rasmus Alm. I'm sure Indy Vasilev is going to be locked down to a long-term deal. Hmm. And then a lot of these other guys, except for uh, I think the only ones are the guys in our supplemental roster, Akil Watts, uh, Max Schneider, and, and company – are on those one-year deals. But even the guys we've signed from the expansion draft, um, Nico Giochini, is on a, a multi-year deal with options at the end. So to Santi's point, when you're talking about just wanting to see progression, like this, we're in this for the long haul. Like Lutz has, has set the foundation for the system we're going to play with the players who are going to play in the system for years to come. So the first three games are dipping our toes into where we're going to go. It's it's gaining comfortability, and we would ex- I would expect that however we end up going this year, uh, the ebbs and flows, that next year is that much markedly better. You're seeing that that I would never expect a sophomore slump based on how our roster is built right no. now. Wait, the way too early speculation on that, but because a lot of these guys are locked in, I think there's a level of of just confidence that this is their home for a few years. The system that they're being taught to adapt to is their system for a few years. The, the thing to worry about is in a few years from now, if and when Lutz leaves and somebody else comes in with a whole new system, we're going to be stuck with players who are from Lutz's system. That's the problem yeah. in a few years, like four or five years, prop, you know, maybe. But for now, I don't understand why people aren't just overly excited. Cautious optimism, sure, absolutely. Yeah. But if you're not going to be optimistic about what we've seen so far, what we've heard uh, with the academy, with City 2, with how these players fit the system that has proven successful in those leagues, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why wouldn't you have at least cautious optimism? And the transfer fee only hits in the cap on the first year, right? So yeah. the longer you keep them, the more of a discount on our, on our salary kind of cap. Spreaded, right? The transfer fee is supposed to hit on the first year. Um, okay. Yeah, you, you can you can you can do some funny things with the salary, but that's how it's supposed to work. And I think uh, Lutz alluded to that a few times last fall, um, mentioning how you know they're only a DP because uh, in this first year, like we we can easily buy them down after this. So I think they're going to have that multi million dollar transfer fee hit this year, which goes if you're a guy who or if you're a person a fan who is just enamored with needing quality DPs, you know, at the end of this year, yeah. we are likely to have all of our DP slots available. You know, Berkey is on a max TAM deal and uh, Nilsson, I'm sorry, uh, Nilsson's on a TAM deal. Uh, Klaus and Leuven are only DPs because of their transfer fees. 
they're making less money salary wise than Berkey in line with what Nielsen's making. And something that's been hitting the news in MLS lately is it's always been a fad to sign someone from South America, but um, you know, the three to five that's been happening the last couple of years on the really high end deals, as, as far as MLS is concerned, those have mostly been working out. Not always, but all of a sudden it's become every team is doing this. Have you guys noticed, you know, Santiago, we were just talking about that Colombian um, that just went, well, I forgot where he went, but Oh, real salt. Lake. um, yeah, I mean, I feel like he's the seventh one this week from, <laughs> from Argentina or Colombia or Ecuador, you know, um, it's going crazy. And I'm just curious how many of these guys can keep hitting an MLS. Maybe all of them can, or most of them can, but man, there's no creativity. I'm starting to like our, think our roster is more interesting, uh, by the week, you know? Yeah, there have been Santiago, of, you may uh, disagree. You may think there's lots of talent in South America. There's more to go, more <laughs> enough to go around. Yeah, obviously, I'm biased. Um, <laughs> obviously, like I have been waiting for CDSC to sign uh, young South American, but I understand that the system, uh, the team um, is looking for, and, and maybe uh, a young South American player will not fit in the system. Um, but that's not always um, the case that South America is the way to go. If you think about just the last season, the MVP, Hani Mokhtar, mm. he, he came from, from Germany and um, he wasn't like, a, like, oh, this is like the big signing and uh, it's a very well-known player. Same thing, uh, Matt, you were talking about uh, Daniel Gastak. Uh, he was also in the running for MVP. Yep. Like he came from Hungary and um, he wasn't like, a, oh, this is a, like it's going to be the biggest star of the league. And it, this is the big signing. He was just made a DP this year. So um, you can always find those gems uh, in Europe uh, in either uh, teams that um, are not top teams or even in second division. So we'll see. We'll see what um, what these uh, additions to uh CDSC can do uh, just have to give them a few games and as there will be players that will shine and, and maybe won't be like in the running for MVP but we will see guys that will start to make a name in the league yeah it's funny because you watch Lewis Morgan just got re-signed with uh, Red Bulls I think today or yesterday and uh, he wasn't in the MVP running but my gosh, he's one of the best players in the league. He's so good, and he just plays for Red Bull, where he's he's not able to get the stats that are required for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so you know, you never know. Um, I think we should move on, though. Or Matt, you haven't talked in a while. Anything else you want to say about the roster before we move on? No, I think we hit on most everything. Um, you want to pivot to Caden Glover? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Hit us, go for it. Yeah, Caden Glover. Uh, this the, I, I've had some interesting conversations on Caden Glover from people who don't follow soccer as closely, but uh, this week was uh, incredibly exciting roster-wise because it finally happened. St. Louis City signed a homegrown player. We've talked about whether it would be Caden Glover, whether it would be Fritz Vollmer, Aaron Hurd, mm-hmm. and Caden Glover gets the nod. So, 15-year-old U.S. Youth International forward Caden Glover has become St. Louis City SC's first ever homegrown signing. He was signed to a five-year MLS contract that runs through 2027. My wife made the comment that by the time his contract is over, he still won't be able to drink. 
Wow. Oh, oh no. Well, he will because he'll be in Europe. Oh, okay. <laughs> good point. Fair like enough. That. Yeah. Which, which, yeah. So, you know, Caden, we, we commented this the past week about how he was a U.S. camp snub. U.S. youth national team has some camps going on in January and he wasn't named to one of those camps. Um, he has, he's played for cities, U 17s. He's played for city two. He was on the U 15 youth, uh, youth team. And I think, He's the he's one of the shining stars. People were introduced to him against uh, Leverkusen. He played four city two against Leverkusen. He had had himself a good game. And in the uh, in MLS Next Fest last season, they said he recorded a goal and an assist in three matches with them. Um, they they won some of their Generation DS Cup qualifiers. He has a history of winning with the academy. Uh, you know this this is the he's from what is it. Uh, columbia illinois yes i want to make sure i got that right from columbia illinois so local on the east side and he is one of two players who mls rosters have designated for homegrown slots he will not take up anything on our salary cap he he has a dedicated spot on the roster as a homegrown uh that he'll he'll be able to take up for the next five years or however long he's on our roster and this is obviously a future signing so he's 15 years old he's still needing to develop a little bit we will likely see him with city two this year um and as he literally grows and develops and he gains more familiarity with the system that he's been in for a couple years now and with the the level of competition that'll be required in the mls i think we may see him towards the end of the year i think we can expect him to be that long-term forward plan for city, at least in the next two or three years, maybe until he turns 18. And then this, the sky's the limit for him because this is the, we we talked about with Aaron Hurd about the, the likely path to Leverkusen. This is the exact example that Lutz has been telling us that he wants to do for years since he came on. He wants to, he wants to develop players here. He wants to transfer them to Europe where they can play in a top five league in the world and see them, see them kind of blossom. So Caden's the first one. Congrats to him. Exciting time for City. So exciting. Uh, the one there was the best question or the best answer of the day for Bradley Carnell today was um, Timmerman asked, what are your expectations for Caden Glover going forward? He said, no expectations at all. Like no hesitation. He said, there's no expectations. We're here to support him. He's yep. clearly a talented kid. And, and lots of people asked, um, you know, Josh, uh, Yarrow said this a similar thing like clearly he's talented and he's willing to work the kid's going to be good you know so a lot of that kind of thing like such a good head on all of these guys you know running the youth system all the way to the top um I love that no expectations he's got talent it's up to him to work and we'll give him every opportunity we can give him was like such a perfect answer loved it um Santiago you had something you wanted to get off your chest about Caden Glover I think right no, it's it's great. Uh, it's great to um, see that first homegrown signing, and it's always it's also great to to see that it's he's so young, but at the same time had a good amount of experience with the academy, had some minutes with City Two, played that last match against um, Leverkusen, and uh, he's gonna grow into. Um, his role and continue developing and and yeah he may not see minutes with the first team this year but uh, i expect him to see feature in 
City too and making a difference, scoring goals, uh, gaining minutes. And um, it's just a great example uh, for the rest of the academy players and even players that are aspiring to go at some point into the academy and are thinking about becoming professionals. That path to pro is already there in St. Louis. We haven't even played a game in MLS and, and already proven. have that already have that path to pro proven and established. So it's exciting for St. Louis. <laughs> Absolutely. Was he did I have a backward disease? Is he the one that you said was snubbed for the U seventeens? Yes. The US you yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I when, thought he got called up and then I realized that was the snub. This camp he was one of the he was the biggest snub. Okay. And we joked at the time it's like, oh well City doesn't want to let him go because they they want to invite him to training camp. And then he goes and signs a homegrown contract. Is that even possible? Like, could the team say, hey, no, maybe don't call him this time because we that, we want him to be in training camp? They that, can. I don't see yeah. it, though. Yeah, they, they can, but that just seems like it would be a bad idea. I mean, the, yeah. the training level at a, at a camp would be pretty good. I don't think they'd be missing out on, right. on that. And he knows the system at this point, right? Um, the, I, I forgot this, too. I can't remember who said it, but I think it was on Twitter. Someone said how people were lining up for Glover. And so we talked about all the guys that could have been signed. And I don't know if I even said this offline. I, I tried to, I think I was busy where um, there might've been an aspect of, do we sign him? Do we sign someone else as the homegrown? But if we don't sign Glover, will someone else snipe him, you know, steal him away? Cause clearly he had other offers in MLS. So, um, that's you know that's part of the equation. You can you can steal academy players these days. The the rights the the territory rights are going away, and it doesn't seem to matter that much anyway. But um, anyway, one day I put that in there as well. Yeah, that that was interesting to me. That uh, it, it was again Manuel Veth saying that Glover was yeah. in high, high demand, but is staying in St. Louis, which doesn't surprise me. That he's in high demand, and knowing how teams try to poach other teams' homegrowns if they're not immediately signed, and they can offer them a better deal. In MLS, there's there's mechanisms that help a team develop a player and have rights to them, but there's always ways around things, as we've seen in the past. I just feel like a mother hen and like my babies don't take my baby. Like I read that and I wanted to I wanted to hit somebody. Um, okay, we're, we're we're a little over an hour. Let's wrap these up quickly. Well, but, real quick oh, on Caden. One thing uh, people keep so the non um, hardcore soccer fans. The comment here is. He's 15 years old. What does this mean? How can he even be signed? Things like that. And yes, it is It is okay to sign a 15-year-old to a professional contract. Uh, it's legal. Sounds weird, though, for real. We, we Sounds weird. Guys. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's abnormal because you're, you know, in St. Louis, you're comparing it to other sports. You're comparing it to the Blues and to the Cardinals and how those systems work. This is legit. It's okay. Uh, he's probably not going to play for City right away as the, the guys who are signed around that age typically don't play for the first team for the foreseeable future. Like I said, towards the end of the year, depending on how. And the final three years are options too. So they can get yeah. out of them. It's not the end of the world. Right. Which you can kind of see towards that, that eye to Europe potentially rearing it's uh, you know appearing but the one interesting thing is that he doesn't even crack the top 10 youngest mls signings of all time did you guys know that 
No, no, I didn't. <laughs> Lately, I mean, MLS has it's, it's not been, just a it's not just a bringing in younger talent, developing them, and selling them off. Um, uh, really, train that MLS is riding, but it's it's signing players younger and younger to pro contracts, developing developing them quicker and quicker as homegrowns. Uh, last year, New York City FC signed Maximo Cariso, who was. 14 years and zero days old. He had just turned 14 years old and he signed a pro contract with NYCFC. Youngest player of all time to be signed in MLS. The top 10 goes only to 15 years and 83 days with Joe Scally. He was first signed. <laughs> nice. And so Caden was born in, in March. It turns, turns 16 this coming March. So he doesn't even crack the top 10. So it's it's still a massive accomplishment, and it is amazing for City to get this done when we got it done with this particular player, special talent. But it's hilarious to me in the grand scheme of things how this the landscape in MLS for developing and signing younger and younger players has shifted so seismically. Mm, completely agree. Good stuff, Matt. I'm glad you brought it up, that aspect of it. Um, so, yeah, let's talk. This could take a while. Let's try to keep it kind of short. Apple Plus announcing uh, Taylor Twelman. He's officially going to be one of the uh, pundits, you could say, um, in color commentary, I'm sure, for Apple Plus and all the MLS games, which they'll be rotating. There's not going to be – he's not just the St. Louis guy. There's a, a – yeah you know, uh, a roster of people who could do each game. And so we'll see how that works. What'd you guys think of that? I think Did it's I cover it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically they got one of the best, um, that it's out there. So it's a great start for, uh, Apple for the Apple plus Apple TV deal. So it's exciting, and hopefully he will be uh, in some of the CDSC uh, games. I do think he's one of the best in the business. I'm not just saying absolutely that. It's Kate Lewis, and yeah, and, and we've seen the writing on the wall for Taylor for quite a while, uh, dating back to last year when we knew his contract with ESPN was ending at the uh, end of 22, um, and and the conversations about where MLS media will go. That was always up in the air, and then when it became official last year that Apple was taking all rights for the next 10 years, that was kind of the, the real writing on the wall that what's Taylor going to do at, at ESPN? Yeah, he's been dabbling in certain other things. He's he's co-hosted Sports Nation. Sports Nation. He's had some of these other expanding his, his horizon beyond soccer, but at, at the heart of hearts, he's he's the soccer guy. You know, he's, he's championed the sport on the worldwide leader in sports like none other. He's gained it the recognition on, on as many broadcasts as it has because of him, you know, the work that he's put in there. He's a quality analyst, obviously. He's a he's a, he's a great former player. And everything he brought to that network uh, caused soccer's uh, visibility to rise. Yeah. We, we always had concerns about their soccer being talked on other programs on ESPN besides the two-hour window for a match. Well, if it was, it was likely because of Taylor and the work that he was doing. The the work the the stuff that he did during the pandemic to kind of create his own basement show banter existed during that time. That that goes to his creativity and desire to see soccer grow in the U.S. and taking it upon himself to do what he can with that voice in that room. Now having that voice at Apple, I think just lends some um, some credibility to that whole venture. You're you're seeing all these analysts and these hosts and the play-by-play people who have been brought in. It's a who's who of MLS media 
in, in its perpetuity. So the best of the best they brought in and they're going to expand it further. But the, the lineup that they have that was really spearheaded by Taylor is, is going to be that quality nationally focused kind of rotating, um, just perfect people to represent the sport. And then, and since they're going to that model away from the regional sports into that more NFL type where you have your game of the week with your A team and you give your B, C and D teams to some of these other games and you rotate who gets that because they're all starting around the same time. I think the, the, the work that the established identity that Taylor's created for himself will bring eyes to Apple, uh, that, that may be on the fence knowing that that they're going to get to see Taylor Twalman. They're going to get to see people that they know and love on that platform calling the games that they want to see anyway. Yeah, he's absolutely my favorite thing about him, I think, is that he's such an, like you said, Matt, an ambassador for the game uh, for soccer in the United States. And I mean, he's you can you can tell that's one of his main goals of, of his career and life in general. So I love that about him. And I really hope this opens up the opportunity for him to branch out. Perhaps they worked it into his contract that he can do more national team games because I love him with the national team. I thought this World Cup was really lacking. Um, you know, he, I would have loved to hear him instead of some other people that did the, the English broadcast in, in the World Cup. So, yeah, that, that, that's one of the things too that I'm I'm uh, not cautiously optimistic. Whatever the opposite of cautiously optimistic is, cautiously pep- pessimistic that he'll have a voice with the U.S. team because he he was great on the, the the broadcast and great as a voice for the national team and raising their profile as well. But with that being on Turner and TNT and HBO Max. Uh, I'm worried too. I'm worried they're going to have their own dedicated folks there, separate from Paramount, separate from Apple, separate from NBC, all these things, and kind of be just its own silo. Whereas I thought it would have been a cool idea to have, if not a joint venture between Apple and uh, and Turner, then some kind of uh, cross-promotion collaboration where some of the play-by-play folks and analysts may may go over and help out or offer a perspective at least on some of the broadcasts over there, if not be given um, some key analysts and play-by-play roles. But I guess we'll see on that. It's a they haven't really announced in itself. Yeah, I don't think they've announced anything for Turner on who's doing what over there. So. I think they did recently, and I think oh, did they? I think it, I, don't, I think it might just be for the women's games so far. Oh, because they're yeah, they're coming up. But I, I don't, I'm not sure. An announcement was made by them. So, um, one more thing to talk about: um, Tyson Pierce was called up, a defender, right back, if I'm not mistaken, for the academy, and Fritz Vollmer was called up as well. So that's freaking awesome to the national team. I didn't. Those were to the yeah, but, national teams. Those were our academy players that uh, actually received call-ups. So we, we talked about a host of snubs, uh, you know, Caden Glover being chief among them. But Fritz and Tyson actually getting those call-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyson Pierce to the U-17 team, I believe it was, and Fritz Vollmer to the U-19 team. And I keep getting the left back, the talented left back everyone's been talking about the last few months that's in our system. Like, everyone seemed to be most upset that he i'm surprised that he wasn't part of that do you know who i'm talking about i don't think it's tyler pierce i think there's another left back in that in age group or maybe i just am thinking of tyler pierce i don't know tyson and no you're not thinking of him you're you're not thinking of him you're there is a starts with a b i'm not prepared for it but sorry guys that's my bad (laughs) he definitely Uh, exists in our system 
uh, we'll talk about him. I'm plenty. I'm, I'm sure of it. So no big deal there. Um, but we're proud of our boys getting called up. Um, you know, I, I really do. When I brought up, um, calling this flyover footy for the first time, like I really do have, like, I feel like we're looked over on the national team level and have been for years, you know, like Jack Mayer not getting called up as, as much as he should have. And, you know, if he plays, like I think he's going to play in the next year, if he doesn't get um, a call up to a January camp, you know, not, not this one, but maybe the next one or the one after that, I'm going to start getting angry if he, if he does well for Nashville, because he's going to be, uh, a, a, you know, a starter alongside Zimmerman pretty much every game. I think this, this season. So James, James Bubendorf. Thank you very much. You did look focused, and I was like, "What I say?" <laughs> no, I was trying. I was trying to look up all of the snubs, and uh, and that's that's the big one. The top rated 06 left back. Thank you so uh, much. Who Marcus Che uh, at C H A I under A S C does a great job uh, scouting youth prospects, and he he did a player by player evaluation of the January camps as well as a top ten. Uh, absences snubs list and St. Louis had uh, a host of players who he had expected to see and that were snubbed. Yeah, but I've heard other people. Yeah, but I've heard other people mention him as well. So that was a big one, but one to watch. That just means it's like our guy to watch and pump up in the future. So there's definitely. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Training has started everyone for season one of St. Louis city SC on the MLS level, the top level of soccer in our nation for the first time in so long. I forgot how many years has it been since we've had a team in the top tier. Someone posted it today. 90. Who are they? Who are they counting? I know that, right. that gets pretty uh, jaded as well. Anyway, because the NASL, I don't think technically was a division one team when the it stars were in. You're right. Are we talking arena soccer or? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Forget I said that. But let's let's wrap it up. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be talking to you guys in the next week or two. See ya. Bye. See you guys. Bye.